Good morning. Hi. My name is Matt King. I'm one of the pastors here at East Point Church today, and I want to thank you for being here. You, you made a good choice, I think. You had a choice, and you chose to be here. I think it was good. I want to welcome those of you who are also watching online or listening on our, our radio program. It's, uh, it's going to be a little bit different day today. I uh, asked everybody two weeks ago if they would watch the Super Bowl and pay very close attention to the Super Bowl commercials. And then what I told everybody that we would do is we would poll you and we would ask you what your favorite Super Bowl commercial was. And then what we were gonna do is we were gonna learn some things about our East Point culture by their favorite Super Bowl commercial. And then we would learn some things about our American culture about their favorite Super Bowl commercial. And, And some of you are probably thinking right now, what? What do you learn about a a culture by looking at a a commercial? Well, let me try to explain that real quick. We are generally not people who like to be advertised to. Have you noticed that? We don't like commercials. Most of us will mute the commercials, or most of us will DVR something so we can fast forward the commercials. So why is it that when it comes to the Super Bowl, a lot of us are actually waiting and anticipating a Super Bowl commercial? There's something weird about that. And so naturally, there's something psychologically to be learned in that. And and those are some of the things that we've learned uh, this week and over the last couple of weeks. And so um, it's really important that we pay attention to that, particularly those of us who are Christians. And here's why. We believe here at East Point that every single person, whether you're a Christian or not, that you are an advertisement. You are a commercial. With the way that you live your life, you are actually advertising or promoting something, believe it or not, especially if you're a Christian. So if you are, you need to to pay very close attention to this message today because this, I think, will be helpful to you in in how you might be able to increase the way that you advertise. Because what we have learned is that there are people that are within our culture who will say, I don't mind if you advertise to me if you do it in the right way. Now, for those of you who aren't Christians, and I I want you to know that I'm not making the assumption today that every single person here is a Christian. I I believe that if you are here today and you're far from God, you're not a Christian, that somehow, some way, you've ended up inside of this room today, uh, I'm asking you to pay attention anyway. And the reason for that is, is even that this whole love and Jesus, love and God thing is not your thing, it's not your style, Uh, Hopefully loving people is your thing and is your style. And today the things that I'm talking about are going to help you to be a better better person, a better lover of people. So that's what we're doing today. So without any further ado, let's get to the results. Let's find out a little something about our East Point uh, uh, culture here and what our favorite commercial was. Let's take a look at this. was your favorite Super Bowl commercial? The Oreo commercial with the library. It was the Audi commercial with the prom date. The Budweiser horse one. The farmer one. God made a farmer. The girl asked the dad if she wanted to have a tea party and then she held up the bag. There's Doritos. The God made a farmer. I'm really excited to see Matt try to do a Calvin Klein commercial sermon. So I'm hoping for that one. I like the Clydesdale Budweiser one. The Taco Bell one where all the old people. Audi commercial. The Taco Bell. God made a farmer. Um, the Dodge Ram one about the farmers. The Paul Harvey thing because my dad was a farmer. Uh, the Paul Harvey. The Volkswagen. The Doritos goat commercial. The Audi and the Volkswagen one. Clydesdale's. The Clydesdale. God made farmers. The farmer. I loved it. The Clydesdale commercial. I loved it. 
and God made a farmer. I will follow him on that one. That was good. The farmers. It was the Clydesdales. Mine was a Dodge Ram. No one has more uh, faith in a drive farmer. And on the eighth day, God looked down on his planned paradise and said, I need a caretaker. So God made a farmer. God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. God said, I need somebody willing to sit up all night with a newborn colt and watch it die and dry his eyes and say, maybe next year. I need somebody who can shape an axe handle from a persimmon sprout, shoe a horse with a hunk of car tire, who can make harness out of hay wire feed sacks and shoe scraps, who planting time and harvest season will finish his 40-hour week by Tuesday noon and then pain in from tractor back, put in another 72 hours. So God made a farmer. God said, I need somebody strong enough to clear trees and heave bales, yet gentle enough to yean lambs and wean pigs and tend the pink-combed pullets who will stop his mower for an hour to splint the broken leg of a meadowlark. So God made a farmer. It had to be somebody who'd plow deep and straight and not cut corners. Somebody to seed, weed, feed, breed, and rake, and disc, and plow, and plant, and tie the fleece, and strain the milk. Somebody who'd bale a family together with the soft, strong bonds of sharing who would laugh and then sigh and then reply with smiling eyes when his son says that he wants to spend his life doing what dad does. So God made a farmer. I like that. I remember when I was watching that commercial during the Super Bowl, the, the first thing that struck me was not so much who was doing the commercial. I don't think anybody really understood that up front. It was the character, the character of what they were describing about a farmer. That's, that's what I immediately began to identify with, and I think that most of us probably did the same thing. A lot of us did anyway. And one of the things that Paul Harvey says in there was that that the character that, that really was being described with all those things was the, the character of being a caretaker. And so when I looked at that, <clears throat> be honest with you, what it did is it inspired me. And I think that's what it did for a lot of people. And there's a principle that's a universal principle that uh, I know that most counselors or psychologists uh, operate with. And that is, if you are inspired by something, that's typically what you will aspire to be. Or in other words, those who inspire you are the kind of people that you are aspiring to be, if you are aspiring to be anything. And so, when all of us watch that commercial, I think the truth of it is, is that every single one of us were ultimately saying, I'd like to be known as that kind of a person. I'd like to be known as the kind of individual who is farmer-like. And so I want all of us, everybody, to answer some questions today. First question is this, is what does the farmer in me look like? What does the farmer in me 
look like? Or in other words, do I have these kinds of character traits? Are these the kind of things that people look at me and go, if not a farmer, you possess these kinds of things that make you look like you are a person who cares, a person who takes care, a caretaker? And so what I've done is I've made a list of things for me. Believe it or not, these are the things that are on that sermon outline that you have. I'm going to go through those things this next week with a lot of the staff that I, that I work with. And we're going to ask ourselves these questions. I'm going to ask that you, you ask yourselves these questions. Personalize these questions now as I go through them. And if you do have that sermon notes, feel free just to write a little, maybe a yes or a no or a why or an in. And if you're worried about somebody looking at you, just cover up your answers or just mentally be like okay so here I go do people think I care you can ask yourself the same question do people think that you care am I known for being a hard worker am I seen as strong and gentle at the same time am I considered resilient am I viewed as industrious Do I appear to always look for the easy way? Am I known for sharing or being selfish? Is there anyone who aspires to be like me? This is just a real simple list, but I think it's really important stuff, regardless of whether or not you're a believer in Jesus Christ or whether you're not a believer in Jesus Christ. But if you are a believer... If you are a person who identifies yourself as being a Christian, this is extremely important. Again, the reason why is you're an advertisement for God. And it's very, very important that you always understand, that we all always understand that we are an advertisement for God. Let me give you an example of what I mean by this. A couple of weeks ago, our senior pastor, Kurt Bubna, shared a story right here from this platform of a day when he was playing flag football. If you weren't here for that story, let me briefly share it again. He was confessing that he had a moment when he wasn't a good commercial. He was playing flag football, and a fella, instead of yanking off the flags, decided to tackle him instead. So what did Kurt do? He jumps all up in a huff and in a tizzy fit and decides to push this fella in the chest, swear a blue streak at him. Now, I want you all to know that I have forgiven Kurt for doing that to me that day. (laughs) saying those bad things about my mama. We're, we're, we're good now. We're good. But seriously, Kurt's not the only one who's a Christian who's blown it in the middle of a moment like that, right? I mean, there's quite a few of us that if we were to take a moment and just think about it, there are the co-workers that instead of being kind and gentle, we've been mean and sarcastic, maybe even a little bit biting with, with parents, with children, with spouses, with friends classmates, all of us have done something or another. When we, we know we should have been a commercial advertisement, we really haven't done that. And so I know that if you're like me, what happens when you blow it, you really feel a certain sense of, uh, of disappointment, almost disgust with yourself. And, and for me, I, I always fear, you know, I wonder if someone's going to think that God's irrelevant now just simply because I was such a klutz or I was such a clown or I was such a, an idiot in that moment. And so if you're like me, you've, you've blown it and you've experienced that. And the reason why I want us to all pay very close attention to that right now is because it's good for us, all of us. It's good for us, believers or non-believers, it doesn't matter. It's good for us to examine ourselves and know whether or not we are people who are just admirers of people with character, like a farmer, or whether or not we are aspirers to people who have character, like a farmer. 
There's a big difference. There's a big difference between admiring and aspiring. And I want to be one of those who aspires, who works hard and disciplines myself to do that. I want to, I want to give you a quote of a famous fellow by the name of Peter. For those of you who are churchy kind of people, you know that Peter was one of the disciples of Jesus, walked around, talked around, hang out with him for a long period of time. For those of you who aren't believers, you need to know that Peter is extremely famous for being a dude that blows it in a crucial moment. When he could have been a commercial advertisement saying, yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus, he, he, he blows it. And not only that, he actually added to it by the whole swearing thing too, believe it. That's what it says. That he had a chance to admit that he was a follower of Jesus. He said, no, I'm not a follower of Jesus. Beep. And everybody's like, oh, man, you, you blew it. Okay, so those of you who aren't churchy people, now you've caught up with all the rest of us who are churchy people. Peter is an example of somebody who sucks when it comes to commercial advertising at times. Amen? Okay, well, this is what Peter wrote to us, the church. This is in one of his letters. This is what he says. Be careful to live, and I got in little parentheses there, advertise about God. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then, even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. See what he's saying there? Be careful with the way that you advertise. Be careful with the way that you live your life. And the reason is because there are people that are out there that are unbelievers who are watching you. They're going to be influenced and affected by what it is that you're advertising. So, I want to get better at that. I want to get better at that. I think that everybody else should get better at that. And here is a way that we can get better at that. And to keep it in farming terms, it's this. It's how we cultivate our soil. So, next question. What does cultivating the soil look like for me? Again, you personalize it. What are you doing to cultivate your soil? Now, maybe that doesn't make sense, so let's go through a little bit of an explanation here. First of all, USA Today. Every single year, USA Today does a poll of America on what they think that the favorite Super Bowl commercial was. Why? Again, the psychology behind it is, is that there are people who want to know what do people identify the most with when it comes to marketing or advertising. So they study this. They study us. And what they find out is that there are certain things about people that they know that people will like, certain things that they're going to be drawn to. And so the way that they commercially advertise makes a big difference. For instance, Paul Harvey, the farmer commercial, was number three in America as far as the favorite commercial. What does that say? Well, it says a lot of people identify with farmers, somehow, some way, like the characteristics that are displayed by a farmer. Farmers are pretty popular people for the most part, even though there's a lot of people who don't have a clue what it means to be a farmer, especially what it means to be a farmer who has to work with different types of soil. But this is the kind of stuff that Jesus had to deal with. Farming was very popular back in his day, and so farming made it in to a lot of his sermon illustrations, and one of those just happened to be about soil, where he talks about four different types of soil, gives an explanation of it all, and then afterwards decides to clean up his explanation by explaining to the disciples, guys, this is what I meant by this. And so I want to read what Jesus said to them. It's in Matthew chapter 13, verses 18 through 23. I'm going to read it. If you want to, you can follow along on your phone app. We'll have it up on the screen. You can, you can follow along with me. This is what it says. Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath, or hard-packed soil, represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed in the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. 
The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. The seed that fell on the good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as they've been planted. Great passage, all about soil. So I believe that there are two lessons in here. And I want to, or at least two, I want to point those two out real quick. First lesson is this, is that Jesus is saying that the, that the soil determines the crop. I hope you guys picked up on that. Hard soil, rocky soil, thorny, grassy soil, all kinds of weeds and junk in it. And then there's good soil. Different kinds of soil. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been the kind of person who's been all four of those soils. I remember a time when I was very opposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ, wanted nothing to do with it. It didn't matter how good of an advertisement you were, I was going to reject what it was that you were selling, okay? And I can remember those days very, very clearly. In fact, I was more than just opposed to it, I was actually violent against it. But then I also remember a time when God had softened my heart and some of the things that some people had been doing in and around my life, commercially advertising to me, was starting to make a difference and I could feel myself beginning to think differently about a variety of different things, particularly myself and particularly about God. And then that, that changed me even more. And after a while, my soil was actually good enough that things were starting to be produced. The crop was actually starting to show up. Other people were looking at me and going, oh, I'll tell you what, that Matt King guy, that, that I think that that guy actually is starting to grow in his faith. He actually is starting to actually be somewhat fun to be around now. He's not so mean and, and, and angry all the time. And then now, my soil, my soil is good soil now. Do I still have some rocks? Do I have some, some weeds and stuff? Yes, of course I do. There's a lot of work that God's still doing on me. And there's some work that I'm doing, which is really my point is that over the years of my life, I have disciplined and committed myself to cultivating my own soil. This is something I want everybody here to understand before I move on to the next point is that if you are not actively engaged in cultivating your own soil, you're not doing enough. Perhaps one of the things that is the greatest, greatest tragedies in the trajectory of any Christian, uh, Christian person's life is they don't take an active and a partnering step with God to cultivate their own soil. Let me, let me explain it this way. Did you know that you could actually listen to better preachers than me by going online? You can. You can go on and you can hear some of the greatest preachers that are out there for free if you have internet service. Then, you know, you can download books, you can, you can watch them on your phone or read them on your phone, on your iPad or on your PC or on your MacBook or anything else. Did you know that there are so many different examples that are out there of Christian discipline walks, such as Bible studies or, or uh, Beth Moore studies? I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. There is no shortage of activity for you to be able to go out there on the internet or on the radio and begin to cultivate your own relationship with God. You can. I've done these things. I read books. I listen to people. I spend time in life groups. I look at the people who are better at character than what I am, and then I commit myself to trying to learn how they go about doing that. And one of the things that I've learned over and over and over again is that I like to be around Jesus. They like to spend time around him. So what are you doing? Those are some things that I've done. What are you doing? Bottom line, guys, is this. We have to be cultivating our own soil. Sure, God is doing that in us, but it needs to be something that we do. That's the first lesson. Cultivate your soil that I see in this, just, this exp explanation of Jesus. Second lesson is this, a little bit shorter. They were casting seed anywhere and everywhere. Now, 
truly, that, that's not necessarily a principle that a farmer would, would do. I mean, a farmer's not going to go look and say, hey, look, there's a nice big old patch of hard ground. I think I'm going to go and throw some seed there. But in this illustration, we see that Jesus is doing that. Why? Because what he's trying to do is express what these people are doing is they were constantly advertising to anybody and everybody around them, even to the people who wanted nothing to do with their message. And so I think it's very important that all of us understand that we have the opportunity to be a constant farmer Spreading seed, casting seed, being a commercial advertisement for God. Now, what does that advertising look like for me? How do I go about doing that in my life? How should we as believers go about doing that in our life? Well, first and foremost, cultivate your relationship with the Lord. Make sure that your soil is good and that it's producing something. And then the very next thing is to start understanding something about the culture around you and the people around you so that you can tailor your advertising or your marketing directly to them so that they will like it. Again, we can learn something about our culture when we stop and take the time to look at them. Let me go back to the the Super Bowl commercials. Now, we know that there are millions of people who recently just told us what they like best. You just told us what you like best. Let me give you a little bit of a sampling of what that means for the rest of our American culture and how we can go about utilizing that to be a better commercial. I told you earlier that the number three commercial that was the most popular commercial was indeed the farmer, Paul Harvey, the farmer. Now, number two one was, it was the Tide commercial. It was the one where the guy is eating some chips, he spills some salsa onto his 49er jersey, and it looks like a Joe Montana stain. And so everybody who is a 49er fan immediately sees this as being a a supernatural sign of victory, and they begin setting this thing up as a shrine and coming to it and paying some sort of homage or attention to it, only to have the entire thing completely destroyed by the wife who happens to be a Ravens fan and washes the stain away. Now, what do we learn about our culture from that commercial? Here's what we learn, we like to laugh. We love to laugh, especially in the midst of conflict situations. But a more important thing that we learn is, guess what? People don't mind being advertised to when we do it in a way that's fun. We do it in a way that makes them laugh. And so if we can blend somehow, some way humor into our advertising, people tell us, I don't mind if you advertise to me if you make me laugh, if you do it in a nice way if you do it in a way that makes me happy. Now, that's what we learned from number two. What we learned from number one is something altogether different. And here is what the number one commercial is in America. Take a look at this. And... To my love, took it down. I climbed a mountain and I turned around. Well, I've been afraid of changing, cause I've built my life around you. But time makes you bolder, even children get See? 
I tell you what, there is not one parent, there is not one good parent, there is not one good teacher, there is not one good volunteer who has poured their life into the heart of a child who doesn't know what that trainer was feeling. Also, there isn't one person who has ever asked another individual out on a date or asked them to marry them or became involved in investing into a relationship that doesn't know exactly what that trainer felt. See, what was going on in that moment was the very thing that every single one of us knows that you have to go through if you are going to be the kind of person who invests love into another. It's in that moment, that crucial moment where you're really wondering, is all the investment that I have made into this really going to count for something? Is it going to be returned? Was it all for nothing? Is all the love and the hope and the dreams that I've offered up, everything that I've deposited into this, did it really make a difference? Did it really, really, really turn into somebody loving me back? Somebody wanting to give something back to me? Would they remember all that I have done? And in that moment, we watched that and every single person who watched that, I'm sure, was feeling the same thing. We were rooting so much for that horse to remember. We were rooting so much for something to resolve and to be good. And I can tell you, when I saw that horse running down that road, here's what I was thinking. I know that this is a stupid commercial. I know that there's cameras all over the place. I know that this horse was trained to do this. All of it is an elaborate setup in order to hook me. But nonetheless, I still sat there crying and wiping the tears away and checking out whether or not anybody else was watching me lose it. I knew it was a sham, but at the same time, I was like, sham me, advertise to me, you got me. And why? I'm just like the rest of you. I love love. I love, love in its finest moments. I love it because it gives me hope. It, it, it reminds me that, yes, when you invest love, when you invest love, it can, it can turn around. It can turn around and reinvest back into you that it does mean something, that it does, and it gives me hope. I want you guys to understand something. Whether you're, again, a believer or not, this is what Jesus said to his disciples. This is what he said. John recorded it. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. What he was saying to them is, guys, you're an advertisement. You're an advertisement for me. When you love one another, when you invest your love into one another and people see the response of that love reciprocated back, 
they're moved by it. They're changed by it. And in that little advertisement, when people show up at a church or they see the church moving throughout their community and they identify us as being Christians within our workplace, they are looking for signs of love. They're looking for hope the same way that you and I are. And when we show that to them, it inspires them to believe that it's worth investing into. And for 30 seconds or maybe even two minutes, you and I might be able to have the opportunity to change the way that somebody views Jesus. But just the way that we advertise. That's so important that we understand that. Now, for those of you who aren't Christians, I want you to know this. There was $16 million that was spent by Dodge for a two-minute commercial called Parl Harvey the Farmer. $16 million for two minutes. Now, that doesn't include the cost that they spent on trying to make the commercial. That didn't doesn't include any of the costs that it took for them to show it at any other airtime other than that two minutes. That's a lot of money, isn't it? That is a lot of money. And some people are flabbergasted to think that someone would spend that kind of money. All you Christians out there who might be thinking that's just ridiculous, no, it's not. That is absolutely nothing compared to what God did. He sacrificed his own son so he'd have a chance at 30 seconds or two minutes to be able to have your attention. I promise you that Dodge or Anheuser-Busch All they're doing is following the suit of the greatest marketer and advertiser on the face of the earth or in the face of the universe. And that's our God. He'll spend whatever it takes in order to get a person's attention. And if you're a person who's not a believer, you need to know that. And he wants to do that through us. And so for those of us who are Christians, we need to be really good at that. We need to be really good at that. Because we have an opportunity to be able to reach our community. So I want to end with this. I want to end with this, and this is for those of you who are not Christians. For those of you who are not, I want you to know that there is a God who loves you and cares for you, who has invested into you, whether you know it or not, whether you remember it or not. And as you walk down this road called the parade of your life, I want you to know that there is one who stands on the side of that road and watches you and is waiting for that moment where you will turn And you will stare directly into the face that stares at you who is wanting to know whether or not you will remember him. And when it comes to the end of that parade, will you stop and will you remember and will you run to him? This might be your day. This might be. For those of us who are Christians, we need to cultivate and we need to farm. We need to advertise to our culture. Can I get an amen? Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, I love you. I'm so in love with you. You know that. Part of the reason why I am, God, is because (sighs) you have just blown me away with your love for me. Your investment into me is something that I, I, I simply could not forget. I cannot. You have deposited so many seeds into my life, and and it's grown, it's taken shape. You've cultivated my soil. You've shown me how to do so myself, and now, Lord, you have invited me to play a part, in a a small part in a plan that you have to change people, to reach people, and to invest into people. And, Lord, I'm so glad that you would ask me to do that. Lord, I pray that every person in this room who loves you would catch that, would learn that, would begin to cultivate and would become an advertisement for you better maybe than what they already are. 
And for those who are in this room who don't know you, Lord, I pray that today another seed was planted. Maybe that seed that was already planted got watered. And, and, and maybe that seed that got watered is maybe starting to grow today. And if that's you, if you're a person who's listening to me pray right now and you're thinking, man, man, I just, I don't even know where to begin. I don't know where to begin. Some of you maybe are just far from God and you already know what it is that you need to do. You need to recommit your life. But if you're far from God and you don't know where to begin, I'm going to offer a simple prayer. A real simple prayer. Just make it your own, change the words, say it how you want to say it. The most important thing is that it comes from your heart. So here's my sample prayer. Father, God, I, I love you. I, I love you. I know you love me. And I want you to have my life. I, I, I want you to do what it is that you do for people that are Christians. If it's, if it's fill me, fill me. If it's change me, change me. I want something new. I want something different. And I want it now. I want it to start today. I want it now. And if that's you, and you've made that prayer your own, I promise you that the Holy Spirit even now has marked you and identified you and is, is filling you. And maybe you're even feeling it at this moment. Father, I pray that you, would, that you would move us from here today, all of us, and that we would walk away from this place with a, a very clear picture of what it means to advertise for you, what it means to cultivate our life, our soil for you. And I pray this in Christ's name, amen. I'm gonna ask you to stand. We're gonna... We're going to sing one more song. And while we're doing that, some ushers are going to pass around some offering bags. If you're a guest or a visitor with us today, we would really love to be able to get that communication card from you. And so drop that off in the offering bags. After the song, I'll come back up and I will dismiss us. So let's go ahead and, and sing and, and give. Okay, three things before you go real quick. Number one, if you're interested in taking communion, we've got it available at both sides of the room. Feel free to do that. Two, if you're interested in prayer, when everybody else is making the way out, you make your way forward. We'll be here to pray with you. And the third thing, if you made that prayer your own today, would I, could I encourage you, could I please beg of you to grab one of these New Believer packets on your way out? This is a Bible that's inside of there, some steps for you to get started. And then tell somebody, tell me, let somebody know that you're a believer, okay? Love you guys. God bless you. I hope to see you next week.